hello and welcome everyone. I'm Vuk and this is Anablog Podcast. This show is exploration of software, technology, ideas, business, and science. This podcast is brought to you by Anablock. Anablock is a system integrator and Salesforce consulting partner. We specialize in Salesforce implementation work. Our team has expertise in solution architecture and custom development. You can reach us by visiting our website at anablock.com. On this episode, our guest is Phil Gugliotta. Phil's an 18-year veteran and leader in the staffing industry. Since 2003, Phil has been working within the staffing world. He started Tech2 in 2009 after moving to North Carolina and has grown the firm into one of the premier Salesforce recruiting and staffing firms in the US. I hope you will enjoy this episode and my conversation with Phil. So Phil, thank you for uh, being on Anablock podcast. Uh, it's a pleasure to have you here. Um, so can you tell us a little bit about uh, basically what you do and what your company does? Sure. Thanks for having me, Luke. I appreciate it. So we are a Salesforce staffing and recruiting firm. So we help our clients find Salesforce professionals across the country, both on a contract and full-time basis. And, you know, we're very active in the Salesforce community, the Salesforce ecosystem. We've actually been a sponsor at Dreamforce for a couple of years. And, you know, we've helped many, many clients throughout the years find Salesforce professionals that are in high demand, especially today. The market today is tighter than I've ever seen in, you know, the last 10 years that we've been doing this. So, yeah, pleasure to be on the podcast. No problem. Thank you. Uh, so that's interesting. So you mentioned the market is uh, tighter than over the past 10 years. Uh, do you know what is driving it? Uh, does it have anything to do with the pandemic? Did it maybe tighten up after kind of the um, pandemic sort of um, being phased out really in the U.S.? Or are there some other reasons for it? You know, I think that uh, Salesforce, as you know, has just been growing tremendously throughout the years. And I think there's too many licenses out there and not enough resources to actually support those licenses. Um, there's so many projects where companies are just looking for these resources and they're just, there aren't all, enough out there right now. And we jobs. So I just think the, the resources haven't kept up to the pace of the growth of Salesforce. So I think that's been, you know, a big factor. Um, and a lot of the candidates today, you know, after COVID, they just, they're happy where they are or they just don't want to make a move. So I think that has a lot to do with it as well. So I think it's a combination of the two. Very interesting. Um, maybe I'm, I'm kind of curious also to, on, on your statement about candidates don't wanting don't want to move. Have you noticed any, um, I guess, changes in the overall attitude or behavior of uh, candidates or employees related to being working remote uh, versus like, you know, having uh, some kind of requirement or obligation to be at the office? Do you get any signals yeah, I mean, from the market? Yeah, it's be really become the norm. 
to work remotely, um, especially Salesforce developers. Uh, the chances of finding a Salesforce developer to go on site every day, I'd say is probably 1%, 2%, just because oh, wow. there's so many options out there. It's just, yeah, it's, it's unbelievable. Um, I talked to a client today and they were saying, you know, how nice it would be. Uh, they're, they're located in a, in a rural area in, um, in Missouri. And they're saying, oh, it would be so nice if we had somebody on site every day. Could you help us find somebody on site? And I said, I probably can't. It's just the way that the market has shifted. Everybody wants to work remotely. Um, I would say maybe one or two percent of the Salesforce workforce is back on site. But the, the great majority is definitely working remote because I, I think, again, it's a combination of COVID. And there's just so many options out there for these for these types of candidates. And how has attitude, so obviously you are, and we'll talk a little bit more here in a minute about uh, your background and and your company, Uh, but I'm wondering how much has attitude changed in the U.S. or basically within U.S. companies towards having offshore remote remote, uh, employees? Because obviously, as you know, as I know, there's a major shortage of talent, so a lot of big players have had offices for a while, including Salesforce having large presence in India and Philippines and a few other countries around the world. Uh, have right. other companies followed that kind of trend or can you maybe um, elaborate a little bit on, on what have you seen so far? I mean, we don't find that much offshoring. Um, we focus primarily on small to medium-sized companies. Okay. So companies, the revenue, you know, up to about a billion dollars. Um, so our clients really aren't off, you know, offshoring a lot of the resources. Some of them have talked to me about it in the past. And it really comes down to, you know, do you have a good Salesforce manager in-house that can manage these resources? If you don't, it becomes a challenge because of the communication gaps and, you know, the time zone differences and things like that. Um, so it really hasn't been a factor too much in our business. Okay. Okay. Well, uh, so can you maybe now give us a bit of an intro about yourself and, and your company? Sure. So I've been in, in sales and sales management and entrepreneur. I'm old for about 30 years. Um, I started out at, at Canon. I was there for about 13 years in various sales and sales management roles. I was with Oracle for a couple of years. Uh, then I got into staffing in about, that was about 2003. Um, worked in a staffing company in New York City for about two or three years. And then I relocated down to Raleigh, North Carolina back in 2007 and started my own IT staffing company. And we did a lot of different technologies. We did SAP, Oracle, Java developers. And then at the time, a good friend of mine was working at Salesforce. And he said, if you've heard of salesforce.com, and I said, yeah, it's obviously a great tool. He said, well, a lot of my clients need resources to help support the platform. Can you help them? So we kind of looked into it and we saw a huge you know, market share opportunity. Um, the amount of resources that our, our clients were looking for was just unbelievable. So we really started to narrow down our focus and it became really our number one focus and has been for the last 10 years. You know, we help our clients find, find uh, developers, admins, BAs, project managers, 
both on a contract and full-time basis. And Salesforce alone has kept us busy, really busy. We started out, it was just uh, myself and my wife who's involved in the business. And now we've grown to, to nine people on the team. So we're pretty excited about that. This last year and a half has just been tremendous as far as growth is concerned. Like everybody else, you know, we kind of flattened out a little bit or had, you know, there were some bumps in the road during COVID, but things have definitely picked up again. So uh, it's really full steam ahead and, you know, we're excited about it. That's excellent. Can you maybe tell um, or tell us about a little bit about like, for example, so basically you have a recruiting company and in general, like how, what does a recruiting company do? And, um, you know, I guess you are acting as some kind of a resource or, or a connection between a specific resource or human resource pool of that or basically talent pool. And then also a, a company that needs help specifically with some technologies, like for example, Salesforce. So can you just explain a little bit about how does a company like yours fit into the overall marketplace? Right. So some companies have, you know, talent acquisition departments and they're just so flooded with open positions. They might have, you know, a couple hundred positions where they really don't have that focus and expertise in Salesforce. And they don't have that pool of candidates to reach out to because it's, you know, it, it takes a lot of time to build up a network of these types of candidates because a lot of them are passive. They're not actively on the job boards pursuing new opportunities. So they'll reach out to us and say, hey, basically what they're doing is they're tapping into our network of candidates to help them find the right resource. Um, in other cases, maybe some companies don't have a talent acquisition department or an HR department, and they just don't have the time. Because the time investment alone to find these candidates, I mean, that's all we do all day long. You know, all my employees on a daily basis, we're having conversations with Salesforce clients and Salesforce candidates. So it, it's a very time consuming process and they just don't have the bandwidth to do that. So they'll reach out to us and, you know, ask if we can help them. A lot of times companies will post the positions on their own and they, they just don't have that the, the amount of candidates that they're looking for so that they'll reach out to us um, so that's kind of, you know, what we do and how we do it. Luckily we, we leverage, you know, being a business for so long, we've got thousands and thousands of candidates to, to tap into. And we're constantly nurturing these candidates. It's not like when we have a job, we just reach out and say, Hey, are you interested in a position? I mean, we, we nurture candidates six months, 12 months, 24 months. We really try to, you know, keep them as close as possible. So when these new opportunities come about, we can present them or if anything changes in their career, you know, they'll reach out to us first. So that's kind of a little bit how we do it. Okay, great. So just to highlight also to all the listeners that are either um, looking for talent or are part of, or basically looking for some kind of a position being contract or a full-time employment your company focuses, uh, as you mentioned earlier, specifically on the U.S. market. So you're not recruiting outside of the United States. And then also uh, you're specifically focused on Salesforce and maybe plus some other technologies. Salesforce is really the, the technology uh, that, we, that okay. we focus on. Yeah, Got that's it. Been so basically, you know. <laughs> Got it. So if, if you are... Um, you know, Salesforce resource, 
and you're based in the US Phil would be the person to talk to. Uh, excellent. Yep. So you uh, mentioned it's been a, like for a few years you have been part of the Salesforce ecosystem. When did you start uh, or when did your friend tap you? What years was this? I'm just curious. This was back in 2009, 10, in that range. Oh, wow. Okay. And yeah. He, yeah. He, just, he had just started with Salesforce and, and mm-hmm. he was, you know, getting up to speed and he was like, I just have these clients calling me all the time. They need help. They need someone to help su- support the platform. You should look into it. And, and we did. And it was like, wow, there's a huge market here. And we mm-hmm. were actually one of the first Salesforce recruiting companies. Um, we started, like I said, back in 2009. And we were one of the first companies that was so heavily focused on Salesforce. Now, you know, there are others now that have kind of jumped on board, but we've been, we've been doing this for a long time. And um, it's been great. It's really, it, it makes you feel good when you're able to find clients, these types of resources, uh, because they are in such high demand. And especially when like, you know, clients ask me all the time, how many candidates will you submit to me? And I say, well, that really depends. Um, we'll try to find you the best possible fit. But we've had, on many occasions where we'll actually just submit one candidate and they hire them, which makes you feel good. makes you feel like you're on the right track because we really spend a lot of time not only focusing in on what they're looking for from a skill set perspective, but also from a cultural perspective, because that's important too. Um, You know, especially these small to medium sized companies trying to get as much information as possible about the type of person that they're looking for, um, and it really, it really helps, uh, you know, especially uh, long-term because that's really the goal. You know, we, we want our candidates, to, especially the full-time candidates to stay long-term. You know, last thing we want is somebody to go there and it doesn't work out. We have to replace the candidate. That's, you know, it's, it's a waste of time and it's, it's expensive. So um, there's nothing better than sending that first candidate over and you know, having companies hire them. The one thing I ask my clients to do Every day when I talk to clients, is if you, I always tell them, if you like a candidate, especially in this marketplace, you really need to move quickly because you know offers are being turned around literally in 24 hours. Mm-hmm. So if you like somebody, you know, I encourage them to modify their hiring process. Some companies spend you know two, three weeks interviewing a candidate. Well, by the second interview, the candidate's got three jobs, three job offers. So you know, I really, like I said, encourage clients, if there's any possible way to accelerate things, definitely in this marketplace, um, I, I would advise it. Uh, so I'm wondering, I, so I kind of started, um, well, my first, I guess, experience with Salesforce was really back in 2004 or five, approximately. It was a completely different product back then. Um, well, basically that like, you know, it was really just for object account, contact opportunity and um, leads. Um, so things changed quite a bit over the past 15 years. So yeah. you, you still, but I kind of got also more heavily involved around the time you started working in the Salesforce ecosystem. So I've seen, you know, things change quite a bit from the number of, you know, engineers that are in the market to quality of engineers, things like that. Um, I'm wondering what right. have you seen since then, um, especially now with 
market being so tight and there's such a huge demand for you know Salesforce architects, the developers, admins, etc. Uh, like how, how would you, for example, judge um, the the quality of talent today versus back then? Obviously, there's a lot more people today that are in this industry or this uh, vertical, I should say. But I'm wondering, um, you know, like is is there a lot of, for example, like mediocre talent in the pool just because there's so much demand, or like what are your thoughts? I think that the talent has gotten better actually, because over the years, you know, candidates have worked on more projects. So they have more experience. Um, and I think, and I think this is a great thing. There are more, more candidates today have certifications than ever, which I think is very smart. We always encourage our, our candidates to get certified. It just, um, it shows potential clients that you do have passion, not only for the technology, but to better yourself which I think, you know, is, is definitely important. So, and a lot of, a lot of our candidates will do, you know, pro bono work uh, where they'll, they'll work with a, you know, a nonprofit organization, which I think is smart. Um, there's so much work out there for these candidates. And I think overall, you know, that we're seeing the talent has gotten better in a shorter amount of time. And it's amazing how many, you know, if you really put your mind to it and focus on it, especially for somebody new getting into Salesforce, there's so much out there to help you learn, you know, with the, the trailhead badges that you can get. There's so much access to it. Or years ago, they didn't have those types of resources and you'd have to spend, you know, four or $5,000 to become Salesforce admin certified. You know, the game has definitely changed. Uh, so I think it's easier to get better information today than it was, you know, 10 years ago. Okay. Uh, where is the market today as far as, um, you know, what, what is, I guess, in the highest, on the high, has the highest demand between different positions, like, for example, Salesforce developer versus admin? Um, what do you see in the market without right a, now? Yeah, without a doubt, Salesforce developers. So if you know anybody, mm -hmm. definitely let me know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they are in the highest demand we've ever seen. Um, there's okay. just so many opportunities for Salesforce developers. I tell my kids all the time, if you want a good successful career, become a Salesforce developer or architect, A, there'll be plenty of work and B, you'll make plenty of money. Um, it's just, it's unbelievable. Like literally we, we placed a candidate last week, I believe it was last Monday that had four offers and luckily they wow. chose our client. It's, it's unreal and things change so quickly where, like I said earlier, you know, there'll be one interview, they'll do like the, a panel interview for an hour, hour and a half, and they'll make a decision and turn out an offer within an hour. It's just, it's crazy. The demand is just, it's, it's more than I've ever seen. Okay. And are the requirements for these uh, job openings, um, have they shifted at all? Meaning like now that Salesforce is, for example, uh, investing a lot of money into the flow, like for the, the declarative uh, programming um, uh, in order to kind of even like Parker Harris, I think just the other day, really, there was an article where he was talking about, you know, going in a direction of no code where you're actually developing different business logic with flow with maybe like some other declarative tools instead of uh, leveraging 
kind of traditional codes, like using Apex. Uh, right. What have you seen, or you know, specifically talking about these developer job uh, requests that you're getting? Um, have companies been specifically leveraging some of these new no-code tools, or um, do you have any sense? Haven't seen too much of that um, yet. It's mostly okay. on the Apex side of things. They really want the development. Um, they are starting to get a little bit more flexible because they have to with the number of years as far as experience. Um, but you know, it's really been Apex. And a lot of times what will happen is they'll, they'll look for a set, a lot of companies looking for Salesforce admins with development skills. And that is extremely difficult because admins want to be admins and developers want to be developers. So there's not too many of those hybrid type candidates available. Um, so I always tell my clients, I'm like, they're really two different animals. I said, I say, if you really need a developer, consider hire, hiring somebody with less experience that has that passion to really make a career out of becoming a Salesforce developer. So I don't know if that answers your question. Yeah, definitely. Interesting. And um, what would you, so you would definitely then probably recommend someone that's um, maybe either in college or looking to change careers uh, to definitely consider um, Salesforce developer uh, over maybe Salesforce admin? Again, obviously it depends on the skill set and things of that nature, but you sure. know if uh, if the playing field is leveled, definitely you would look into a developer versus an admin. I would. I mean, if, if that's you know the the route that you want to take, if if you like coding, if you're more of a technical person, programming things like that, I would say 100% look to becoming a Salesforce developer. If you're more into you know, it's more, an admin is more of a customer service type of position, right? It's it's helping people utilize the platform as efficiently as possible. Um, you know, that's a different kind of a route. It's, it's more of, um, you, you have to have that customer service type of a personality where you want to help people, um, help them with their business process versus the technical side of things. Got it. Uh for the candidates that are actually considering new positions, you know, what are some of the do's and don'ts when you are either putting a resume together, cover letter, or preparing and, and you know, being part of an interview process? Well, I would say take pride in, in your resume. Um, make sure, you know, all the dates line up. Uh, make sure that you have, if you have a college degree, put that on there, put the year on there. If you, if you take any shortcuts with a resume, it's just gonna, it's gonna hurt you, um, especially on the developer side. We find this more on the developer side where they just put like four or five different projects they work on and submit a resume. It's like, you know, you gotta do a little bit better than that. So make sure your resume is up to date and make sure it tells a really good story about you. Don't, don't short sell yourself. Um, and, you know, obviously the certifications are very important. Um, and, you know, the one thing we tell all of our candidates not so much about the resume, but when they're going through the interview process is always ask for next steps to show the, the client that you're interested and that, you know, you're excited versus just doing the interview and then waiting and waiting and waiting. You know, you really want to stand out during the inter interview process. So we always encourage um, our, our candidates to do that. 
And then, you know, and then the flip side of that is don't oversell yourself because they'll see right through that as well. Chances are they're going to have some technical person inside the organization interview you. So if you put all these great things on your resume and then you can't back it up, that's not going to help either. Okay. When it comes to the resume itself, I've read and heard from different people, different uh, sort of, I guess, advice. Uh, I'm wondering what, what sort of the, what would be the best strategy when it comes to, for example, you know, what you just mentioned now, you have a number of maybe projects that you have completed and you want to showcase that in, in your resume right. as some sort of like maybe even portfolio. Um, is it better to be detailed around about the projects or to kind of keep it more on a high level? I'm just wondering how much do actually these employers read when they see a resume of two, three pages and, in overall, you know, yeah. I think I've seen different approaches to where, you know, candidates with senior level experience maybe have one page uh, versus some others that now have four pages. What are I would what's totally your recommend one page. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> one page for sure, if you can do it. Um, a hiring manager is not going to is not going to look at, at anything longer than one page. They're just not going to do it. They just don't have enough okay. time to do it. We get, when our candidates, you know, submit their resumes to us, we, we, you know, feel the same way. It's like, you have to put all of your, you have to condense it. It's just, it's too much. No one's going to read through that. So a lot of times what we'll do is when a candidate submits their resume to us, we'll help them, you know, um, rework their resume so that it's succinct and it clearly talks about the projects where they've worked, what they, they've done, what are their main responsibilities, and everything is in chronological order because that's important too. Um, so yeah, it's, I would say one page if you can possibly do it. Okay. Uh, when companies are onboarding or basically looking for uh, Salesforce, either developers, admins, maybe solution architects, are they usually looking for sort of more per or permanent versus kind of more of a short term versus maybe, you know, contract work. Um, has that shifted at all over the last few years or in general today, if companies need help with Salesforce, do they have a more of a long-term vision for someone or how does that work? I think it definitely shifted during COVID where companies okay. were not able there's, there were so many hiring freezes at the time, but they had work to, that needed to be done. So they were focused more on contract resources at that time, just to get the work done throughout COVID. Um, now that you know things are starting to open up again, we're seeing more full-time positions. Um, they, things have definitely started back as far as that's concerned, but there are still plenty of projects where they might have, you know, a six month project, 12 month project, maybe it's a, an integration, maybe it's a mic migration, whatever the project might be. Um, they're out there also. So I would say it's probably an even split 50, 50. Okay. And a lot of times what happens is they'll go with a consultant first, just to kind of, you know, get them up and running on Salesforce. And then once that happens, they'll hire a full-time person and actually get that consultant involved in the hiring process because, you know, they know the company, they know the Salesforce instance. So um, they're a good resource to help during the hiring process, you know, to bring somebody on full-time. 
Yeah, that's interesting. I've seen that a lot being in the, um, uh, the, this ecosystem for about 10 years plus now. I have seen yeah. and I worked, you know, with probably over 30 clients over this time frame. I have seen sort of that same pattern where a lot of companies have consultants at the early stages of the Salesforce implementation um, and sort of um, adoption by the, the by the company in different departments or divisions of the company. They might start with one or two, expand to multiple, or maybe they'll have over a period of time one consultant leave and another one or two yeah. replace and then finally they reach a stage where okay we need a full-time employee uh, so I'm, I'm wondering what have you seen as far as uh, some of maybe of your long-term clients do they if, if once they reach a stage to say okay well we need like a you know full-time developer maybe a developer and an admin are obviously every it varies by company but in general sure. are these teams expanding so for example if i start maybe with a sales cloud i might purchase another salesforce product to where then i need, might need more help uh, i'm trying to gauge as far as not only the implementation of salesforce at a company but also are they are the companies using more and more of salesforce features and functionalities so maybe other teams like starting with sales now suddenly marketing wants to also use salesforce uh, what have you seen or experienced throughout your um, yeah last I think 10 years? Company, sure. I think as companies grow, they, you know, add more products and there's so many clouds now on Salesforce, you know, you have service cloud, you have marketing cloud. There's, there's just so, there's so many of them out there and they need resources to help them, you know, implement them. And most often their current staff, they don't have the skills to do that. So that's where they'll call us and say, you know, we need a, we need a consultant to help us install, implement marketing cloud, um, you know, or CPQ. CPQ is extremely hot right now. So mm -hmm. we've, we've helped our clients find consultants to implement CPQ. So it really depends on, you know, products that they're buying. And then a lot of times, especially the companies that are growing, maybe they're acquiring another company. So they've got to merge that instance into their existing instance. So that, that means more resources to do that. So, you know, it really depends on, like you said, a company specific situation, but with growth and with new products, there's definitely more resources needed. And that's where our contract services really come in. Um, that's how we can help clients. Okay. So that's interesting. You just brought up, so you are actually, you know, working in several with several uh, Salesforce products. So you're not specifically focused on maybe one domain, like for example, um, you know, like more like specifically yeah. maybe like sales or service cloud, which is different technology than for example, marketing cloud versus commerce cloud. Uh, yeah. Because it's different underlying technology, different programming languages, different architecture. So you guys are, or your company is across the spectrum of Salesforce offerings. Yeah, that's definitely true. Any any, any re resource, any of our clients need a resource, really all the different platforms we can help them with. Great. Anything excellent. that touches the Salesforce platform. Excellent. Well, uh, 
you know, Phil, I want to thank you for, for being a guest. And uh, we will, in the description of this podcast, list more information uh, about Phil, where you can actually find the link to his company. And then definitely, if you're looking um, for a Salesforce position, Phil will be able to assist you. And if your company looking for someone to help you with your recruiting process, um, you know, obviously that's Phil is the great person to talk to. So thanks again, Phil, and I appreciate your time today. Thanks, Luke. Appreciate you having me. It's great to see you again. Thank you.